Hi, and welcome to our podcast. I'm your host, Howard Drukarsh. I've been a successful realtor in Canada's largest market, Toronto, for over 30 years. And in the latter part of my career, I co-founded Canada's largest independent brokerage, Right at Home Realty, with a roster of over 5,800 agents and growing. In 2020, I retired to start this podcast, and it's been a remarkable opportunity to meet highly successful and fascinating guests, find out about their careers, and get their insight into our business. Today's guest is Jacob Cohen. Jacob is the COO of Daniels Corporation, and Jacob, can I call you Jake? Absolutely. Okay, because I think everybody does. <laughs> okay. You got it. All right. So welcome to the program. Let me go through a bit of, uh, in your bio because I think it's a fascinating story. Um, I mean, the company, I'll talk about my own feeling about Daniels in a moment, but you're the chief operating officer um, and Canada's, and definitely Daniels is one of Canada's largest and preeminent builders. Um, and your role, which I think is really the key to a lot of companies' success, is is you 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 not only are involved with the daily operations, but you're you're involved with um, responsible for people and culture. And as much as anything's important in the company, it's keeping people and building a culture. And I think I think it's just a great role. Um, and what you and again from your bio, what's important is to have an inclusive, positive working environment that exists where all people feel seen, valued, and heard. And, and I know from, uh, I guess we got connected through, uh, through Dominic Tampa, and I've known Dominic for a few years, um, and he's just a really kind of the same example of someone who really likes working at Daniels. And I, you know, I know that with any company, that's how you keep growing. You keep people from, from leaving. Um, so I know that in your role, there's leadership. Um, um, you want the company to move forward and, and you do, you know, you, you do that and you have a Bachelor of Arts from McGill University. So that, how's that for your background? That sounds pretty good. Very <laughs> accurate. Exactly. Okay. Captures who I am. Okay, great. <laughs> so let, let's move on to the questions. And the first question, although I, I've always liked this, um, because the people we interview are generally entrepreneurial by nature. Certainly real estate agents are, um, a lot of developers are, um, and, and I'm always interested in, and I think our, our viewers are, were there entrepreneurs in your family? Now that's an easy one because I know there were that your dad Mitchell is an entrepreneur with with Daniels. But um, how, how much of an influence was that as you were growing up? Yeah, it was it was a huge influence. Uh, you know, sitting around the dining room table uh, for dinner uh, as a young kid, Mitchell would always bring uh, work home with him. Uh, more so because for him, it's not work. For him, it's about. Uh, it's fun. It's energizing. He uh, doesn't view development, doesn't view the business as work. He views it as a good time. Um, and so when he would bring it home, it, it always felt that way. Um, and so I kind of got a lot of that entrepreneurial spirit, that creative spirit, uh, and that excitement uh, that he brought home. I, I got a lot of that embodied in myself, I think, at a very young age. And anybody who who doesn't know what it's like to be a developer can't appreciate what it's like to enjoy it <laughs> because every every moment of every day there's so many things going on you're juggling so many plates and and balls in the air to keep everything moving forward and as we know in today's market um in october 2020 things always change um so it's great that that was the way he, he you know he presented uh being being in this business 
Um, the other thing I remember, because uh, one of the other um, involvements I had and have, still have, with Habitat for Humanity, GTA, was um, your, the company's, um, the importance of being a part of community with the company. And, and, there, and I did ask you about that restaurant that was uh, the Paint Box, I believe. That was that's right paint, paint box bistro in region park right. exactly and and um one year uh, habitat had a christmas event there and i and it was kind of my introduction to what a terrific way to look at uh being a developer like like to, to add things to a community that most don't that was great and obviously you know I, I guess it would be mitchell who who spearheaded that at the time yeah well i think the the, the notion of 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 building community has always been ingrained in who we are as a company. Uh, so Mitchell started, uh, was the first member of the Daniels Corporation. He was hired by John Daniels, or we called him Jack Daniels in 1984. Hmm. Uh, Jack Daniels came from Cadillac Fairview. Uh, he was from Aaron Mills Development Corporation, and he kind of branched off into create his own company, which was the Daniels Corporation. Mitchell was his first hire. hire um, and Mitchell came from the nonprofit sector. He came from the co-op housing sector. He came from an area of, of development, which was way more about grassroots community building. That was really the heart of what he did and what he enjoyed doing. And he brought that to the company, to the Daniels Corporation in full gusto. And so we, we very much as a company have grown up in that milieu. We've, we followed that, that mantra, which is, you know, we use our development platform as a way to create positive social and environmental change. That's really uh, our calling card, our mission statement for who we are as a company. We want to build buildings. We want to create communities, but we want communities that people are really going to enjoy living in, that people are going to feel are inclusive. That people are going to feel are for them, not just buildings which are can be bricks and glass and wiring and all those sort of things. It's actually what's going on within those buildings, within those communities that make them special. And that's been a really important part of, of who we are. And, you know, I was going to hold off until later in the, later in the interview, but I can't. Uh, I live around I, I live around Bayview and Eglinton in Toronto, and to get downtown, I quite often use the Bayview Extension. Sometimes I, I come back or go down through River Street. That project is the most mind-boggling development. Um, I've got to ask you about that because it fascinates me. Uh, the I guess the, the scope of the project and and I, how big it is and how big it is relative to other projects in North America. Let's go Incredible. right. Let's go right yeah, to it. I, I think, I'm glad you brought it up, Howard. I think you're referring to Regent Park, right. which is which is very much our. I would say our, our calling card for what community building can be. Um, you know, it's been an incredible journey. Uh, I've been working on that project for about 15 years. Wow. Uh, we're now at the tail end of phase three. Um, there are five phases in that development. Uh, and the Daniels Corporation was uh, able to do the first three phases, which made up almost uh, two thirds of the entire 69 acre redevelopment. Um, it's a combination of market housing, of Toronto community housing, rent geared to income housing, uh, amenity spaces like big park, like a big park, 
like an aquatic center, uh, athletic grounds, an arts and cultural center. There's so many different elements that make the community special, that make it more than just the building. It's really what we love bringing people down to show. This is what community building can be all about. It can be more than just buildings. It can be more than just the little unit you live in. It can be about the little grocer that goes in next door. It can be about the community center that facilitates potluck dinners or ping pong tournaments or whatever it is uh, on a regular basis. These are the important things in community building that we at Daniels love to promote, love to think about um, and really get excited about. That's what development for us is all about. And and it's clear that, that you know, your reputation is about those things. To, to put it in perspective, how many acres did you say it was? So the entire site is 69 acres. Okay. So for anybody who lives in Toronto and understands the main streets, it goes from River Street to how far uh, west? It goes from it goes River to Parliament, yeah. and it goes from Shooter all the way to Gerard Street. Okay. So it's quite quite a swath of land. Quite a swath. And, <laughs> and uh, again, it's fascinating because most developers don't take on a project of that, that scope. Um, I mean, it's, it's an ambitious uh, and clearly successful project because I still drive by and watch it go up. So it's uh, absolutely great. Absolutely. And it, what it's done for us is we've done a lot of great learning in, in, in having uh, experienced that, uh, how to work with a, with a public sector partner uh, in Toronto Community Housing, how to work with other uh, development partners. We partnered with a seniors housing provider, Chartwell Retirement Residence, because we wanted to bring in a seniors residence hmm. to kind of round out uh, the different uh, multi-generational community that it was going to be. It needed that. Um, you know, we've worked with a number of different partners and luckily Region Park has afforded us the ability to do that uh, because of how large and how much scale it does have. And it now gets us thinking about other areas in Toronto, in the GTA, where we can continue to do community building at that large scale. Oh, that's great. Um, as I said, it's 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 for anybody that understands anything about development, putting up one building is an enormous problem. <laughs> putting up all of those buildings, you just have to apply the developer. So I'll leave it at that. Um, getting back to your own, your own situation before, uh, real estate, uh, even though I guess you always had it in your life through your dad, um, were you doing something else after, after school? Uh, so I got into the Daniels corporation when I was 17 years old. So that was pretty early on. It was, wow. it was kind of, uh, it was, it was, uh, you know, high school and then into university summer school. But when I didn't do it, cause I did it for, you know, a couple of summers, I was a tennis instructor. Wow. Uh, so uh, I've always loved sports. I've been a big, uh, big fan of tennis and kind of all sports. I ended up getting certified from, from a tennis perspective. Uh, Ontario tennis and uh, did that for a summer or two. And uh, then I transitioned into into the, the low rise construction site at Daniels and really started to, to learn some things. And and um, once you got into the, the development side, um, it's different to watch somebody do it, uh, to be in the driver's seat. Um, did you find it much different than what you thought it would be low rise? Yeah, that was that was an incredible experience. So I did, yeah, I did two two years uh, working with the low rise construction team, doing a number of different jobs. Uh, you know, working as a site laborer was really important. Kind of learning, just you know, mowing lawns, shoveling things around, moving dirt from here to there. That was really learning from the ground up. The second year, I did uh, pre delivery inspections, or we call them PDIs, um, which was taking tours of units that were finished. 
and making sure that the finishes were up to a certain standard and up to a certain level. I learned some incredible things during those years, that one in particular, just about customer service, customer expectations, how to treat people right and how to treat every homeowner and every home like it's your own. Mm -hmm. I think that was a really uh, an important thing that was instilled in me in those early days working in that with that low rise group, Um, you know, to the point of, you know, we'd walk into a unit and we'd look at a uh, electrical outlet and it would have a plate on it and the screw would be turned a certain way on that plate. Um, and you know, I was instructed, you got to always make sure the screw is, is turned horizontally. Mm-hmm. That was just how we like to do it. It wasn't that, you know, it meant anything different, but it was that level of detail that the team instilled in me as a really important thing of the level of detail that we want to instill in all of our construction team members who are trying to execute for the people who are moving into those units. So that was a really important thing, really important lesson. It's about the detail. It's about really focusing and and remembering that people are going to be living in these places and you want to give it your absolute best effort that you can. I have a kind of a funny story from a friend of mine whose family was in the development business. And he was in the, I guess, kind of the customer service or, you know, part of it. And I remember he would go out to the projects that were, I guess the building was, I guess the home or the building was was pretty well finished, but they were doing a walkthrough, something like that. And people would say, well, can you just, this door, can you just move it over six inches, (laughs) right? Without understanding (laughs) what what it takes in terms of, you know, uh, the mechanicals and what what moving a door six inches means. So I guess you've, you've run through... A few of those, I'll bet, in the uh, customer. Oh, oh, com- oh, completely. That was that was. I I would come home some nights and 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 uh, just think about some of the things that we got requested. At one point, uh, this one stands out in my mind just because you brought it up an example. This was this was I had transitioned into the high rise team at this point, so it was a few years later. Uh, the high rise boom was you know starting to happen when I kind of got into that. So and I was working kind of more on the again customer service, customer care service and warranty side of the, the the department and somebody on the fifth floor of a condo unit which was a seven story building was asking for a skylight to be installed <laughs> and so uh you know it was one of those things where you know I, again people maybe not used to condo living what that meant who is above <laughs> them who is below them but it, I always get a kick out of that when we we were tried to be very nice and explain to them that that was not going to be possible and uh and but here are some of the other things that we can do that can uh, help you get some more natural light in. Probably a good idea would be just have a photo of a skylight. <laughs> I think so. You could put that right on the ceiling and you that know, might satisfy. Right, it. and then you never have to worry about it after that. Yeah, um, th- yeah. but I'm sure the stories are obviously there's so many. Um, but those are the ones that stick out because when people buy uh, new construction, generally it's, it's, it's not where, I mean, sometimes I guess they've had that experience, but, but it's an exciting event, right? It's new. Uh, there's so much excitement. And I think that's what triggers, uh, wanting it to be very much personal and, you know, and you can't, you can't put a skylight in, you know, in a condo, but no, exactly. It's, it's, it's very personal. It is yeah. it's the biggest purchase that people are going to be making in their lives. Uh, to buy a home. And it means a lot. And many of the people that we sell to, um, because of the type of typology that we build and the type of product we built, this a lot of the time can be their first time buying a home or buying a unit, whether it's a small townhouse, or it's a small condo unit, or it's a small two bedroom uh, unit, it can be their first opportunity. And there's a lot of nerves. And there can be 
uh, a lot of un- uncertainty of what it's going to be like. And so, you know, really making sure that we work with the purchasers and we we think about them on a very human level. That's a very important thing to us. And that goes all the way from senior level management, Mitchell, myself, to directly to the sales and marketing teams. Dominic Tompa, our vice president and president of Daniel's Realty, which is our realty arm. Mm-hmm. He instills that in all of his sales agents because, you know, it's very important for them to have a very personal relationship with each and every homeowner because, you know, when times are great, you can have hundreds and hundreds of purchasers walk in the door and they don't look and they don't see and they just buy. Mm-hmm. But you want to know something in times like today, 2022, October, things are challenging. Right. You need to sell a unit one at a time, one purchase at a time, one experience at a time. And it really comes down to that personal level. And so, you know, having that uh, experience with that on the sales team is a really important thing for us as a company. And I think what, what you can build on is is the reputation that, you, you, you know, that the reputation is so solid that that in, in you know, call them challenging times, people want to go where, where they're going to feel comfortable, right? And so all those little details of turning a screw or being good to the customers, all that builds, you know, builds the culture and builds the reputation. And again, I'm a big fan because I just think what you've done is, is remarkable. So... Um, let me ask you this one, because this is really a part of uh, your own experience. Um, your perspective on housing in the GTA, considering all the different types of construction you've been involved with, um, there, there's, you know, I guess Toronto at one point had more um, uh, uh, construction towers than any other city in North America. But you're right in it. What What's your take on on the market in terms of uh, new construction right right now in October 2022. Yeah, right now, right now it's a truly challenging time. It's a very different time. I think for many, many years, I've been in the company, in the business for now 18 years, which for many people is not forever, but it, but it's a long time and it's been uh, a very positive 18 years. There's been a few blips right. in there, 2008, 2009. There was a few, uh, you know, a bit of a downturn here and there. But then we experienced COVID and there was some challenges there, but the business kept going. People kept buying. This year, 2022, has been by far the most challenging year out of any year that I've experienced. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's an uncertainty. There's truly an uncertainty of the market with the interest rate hikes that have been happening across the board consistently. It just leads to unease and angst. And that's very challenging for people to try to get into the real estate market, whether it's to buy their first home or buy a rental property that they want to make an investment in. Having the uncertainty of where's the interest rates going, when is it going to stop, when are these increases going to slow down, all those questions just lead to a lot of angst. And I think that has proven challenging for many developers, uh, many builders over the last kind of six months to a year. Um I don't see it stopping anytime soon. I think it's going to continue to be a bit of a challenge for the next six to eight to 12 months. Um, and it really will be about weathering the storm. It'll be about having for us as a company, different typologies of product. We do more than just build condo buildings, which is a thing that we decided, you know, a number of years ago that we had to diversify what we do in order to keep the business going, keep the machine moving. Mm-hmm. Um, we build student residence. We're building a student residence right now for 550 beds with the University of Toronto in downtown Toronto. Uh, that's keeping our construction team going. We're building a senior's residence. 
Um, we're building rental buildings, purpose-built rental buildings. The rental market continues to be very, very strong in mm-hmm. while interest rates have challenges and condo sales slow down. We're not going to stop condo sales. We're still going to be doing that. That's still the core function of what we do and what we do very well. Uh, but having that diversity of product is very important. Uh, weathering this challenging time and being really strategic with what we come out and launch and when and how and why. Um, it comes down to being successful in these challenging times comes down to, can you have a very sharp number? Did you buy your land at a very good number? Did you acquire it at a good number where you can then create a good budget, create a good pro forma and sell it at a number that can be reasonable that people will still see as attractive and see as a good investment. That's going to be our biggest challenge over the next eight to 12 months is making sure we have the right pieces of land, the tightest budgets we can possibly have so that we can launch projects to people and say, this is a very attractive product. This is a very attractive price. This is still a great investment because three, four years from now, we all believe it will continue to rise back up to where it once was. I think you're right. I mean, I remember the same thing. I started in, in real estate in 1984. I remember 2008 and 2009. I didn't think anything could be more brutal. Um, but again, I got through it. Daniel's <laughs> got through it. Um, and, and what it is for new people in the business, as you said, who've never seen an extended slowdown. I, 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 I used to, when I was involved with the right at home and I was managing or, or recruiting and, and I, people did not know, or I'd never heard of something called a price reduction. Right. It's like, why would anyone reduce their price? And and now when the markets turn, that's the hardest part for a residential agent, because people look to what it was six months ago. And, you know, it's a whole long story. But but my point is, I think you've survived. I've survived. And and it's a real interesting business to 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 feel great. You survive the down part. Anybody can survive the up part. Right. So I, I think that's exactly right. I think right. we're well positioned to survive the down part um, because, you know, we're lucky. We are a fully vertically integrated company. We do it all from acquiring the land to zoning it, to developing it, to then building it ourselves, providing the service and warranty and the after service care. Uh, so we can control that. We can control all the different elements that goes into development. And we're not relying on anyone else to tell us, well, pricing is here or pricing is there. You have to do this. We get to control that. Uh, you know, it would be great if all of our trades started to come back to us right now and said, we're slashing prices because, because work's slowing down. Right. That hasn't happened yet, but I'm thinking it's going to be coming soon. Well, you know, it's in, going back to, to, to this market in the, in the periods where, um, from 1984 to when I stopped in, uh, selling in 2004, we started the company. The thing that always struck me about what affects people's decision on making a purchase was consumer confidence. Not necessarily interest rates, but if people felt their job was safe, if people felt, you know, the world is safe, they'd make these kind of decisions. And to your point, right now, I think there's just too many unknowns. Uh, and I think as those clear up, I mean, obviously interest rates do affect people, but the other thing is an intangible. Do people feel comfortable and do they feel confident, right? Yeah, and and, and I think uh, there's external factors that are very much contributing to that that anxiety. Uh, You know, there's the wars going on, there's challenges in a bunch of different places, and that is absolutely leading to 
to a little bit of uncertainty. And I, I think you're right. I, so I completely agree with you on that. Well, listen, we, we both see it from the same angle. Um, yeah. In terms, you mentioned the pandemic. Um, how did it affect the projects that you worked on? Because you kept going. Um, like, how, how did you adjust? How did the company adjust to the first time in 100 years? You'd have to think about something like that. <laughs> Yeah, this this was an incredible experience for me. So I was I was about a, uh, less than a year into the COO role, so very much new into that. Obviously, know the know the company quite well at that point in time, but but new position, new responsibility, and then pandemic hits. I think what was first and foremost incredible and extremely lucky for our industry was that construction got deemed an essential service. Mm-hmm. When that happened, it meant that all our construction sites could continue to operate and continue to work. And at that point in time, I think we had 14 or 15 active construction sites on the go. So the initial fear when it started to come down the pipe of, are we going to get fully shut down? Or is every site going to get shut down? Are mm-hmm. we going to start having to lay people off, move people here, do this? That was a, that was a lot of challenging times. That was really difficult. Once the dust settled and we realized and there was advocates for our industry that we could keep going, it was an essential service. Providing homes for people is an essential service. That started to settle things down. Then it became transitioning to what is it like to operate a business remotely, uh, a construction business remotely. So you have, you know, 75% of our, our business or our company is out on the sites building those buildings every single day. And then you have 25%, which is our in-office staff who are trying to help manage that process. So my job was essentially trying to ensure that the people working remotely, sitting at home every day, were staying connected and staying plugged in with what was going on on the sites because they felt isolated. They felt like they were on their own. They felt like they were by themselves and they needed to feel supported. So it was a real important time to try to engage with them in different ways make sure that they were heard, make sure their voices were heard. We had to put in all the different protocols and procedures to keep people safe, screening and temperature taking. Everything just seemed to take longer. You heard people talk about supply chain. That was very real. Everything was challenging to get and to bring in. But the good thing was we kept going. Mm -hmm. We just kept going. And incredibly enough, from a sales perspective, We shuttered all our sales offices, our in-person sales offices, transitioned to online virtual sales, and it was just as good, if not better. It was incredible. The, The online virtual sales experience, having the tools to be able to do that, execute that, make people feel comfortable to buy a home online, signing on a piece of paper, I mean, not on a piece of paper, but on a computer. All those things were incredible learning experiences that we had to go through to transition the company to be able to work virtually, work remotely, while still building the buildings out there in the real world. So, I mean, what an unbelievable experience. What an unbelievable, uh, for everybody, um, I'm glad we're kind of coming out of it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the big challenge for, for me now is, you know, reintegrating the company back into an office environment and, and getting them to remember what it was like to do that and what that felt like and what that office culture is all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's definitely something that was lost when you can work from home. Yes, it's doable for many people, but there is that, that camaraderie, that, that creativity, that collaboration. 
that's needed a little bit more when you are together and together in the same room or the same boardroom or working together on the same idea, not necessarily in front of a screen. So that continues to be the challenge kind of coming out of COVID, but it's one that uh, we're continuing to think about uh, almost every day. You're so successful in so many ways. I'm sure that won't be a, a challenge that you can't overcome. I want to ask some personal questions because I, I, you know, when, when we first connected, I said I try to keep it to a half hour because I know how busy you are. We're already a half hour, so I'm, sure. I'm going to ask some personal questions that I think will help, uh, you know, help people understand you. Um, what's been your biggest uh, success in in development? Biggest success, I think we talked about it. I think um, being involved in with the incredible team who has created uh, the region park revitalization in the first three phases of that program has been an unbelievable success. For me personally, to be part of that, I was part of a big team that, that drove that program mm-hmm. um, in, in partnership with Toronto Media Housing, but it's something that I'm very proud of and that the team I know is very proud of, and we learned so much from it in terms of how to be a better developer, community builder, think about the little person, think about the people who need more support uh, and be creative in all those different ways. So I'd have to say that. Okay. And it's a perfect answer because as I said, it's a, it's an eye opener as a development in your career and everybody has these, um, what's been your biggest challenge and what did you learn from it? Biggest challenge is is the transition of, of making sure we, we are able to properly move from a the first generation, which was Mitchell and his people uh, and his generation of, of, of leadership at Daniels and transitioning to a second generation company uh, and hopefully a third generation company. I think many companies that are family run companies can struggle when they have that transition. If it's not done properly, mm-hmm. um, if succession planning isn't thought out properly, if leadership isn't thought out properly, I've spent a ton of time with the existing leadership, working with them, talking with them, uh, integrating what I think the next generation of leadership is going to be and is going to look like and melding that, I think, quite well with what the existing generation of leadership is at the company. So we have this incredible harmony, I think, between the two right now that will enable us in the future to continue to be successful. But it has definitely been the biggest challenge to try to continue to make sure we do that right and don't lose what it was like to be a developer and be a builder 15, 20 years ago, learn from those things and continue to move that forward going in the, in the years to come. And I think earlier in in the interview explained that uh, although your, your, your business is, is to build, um, construct, it's managing the people in that business that make it work or not work. So, um, you know, obviously, you, you know, the succession planning is again, one of the big steps in any company. And, uh, uh, it sounds like you got a pretty good handle on it. I have two more questions. This one I think could could take up another half hour, but but here we go. What projects are you working on now, Jake? <laughs> oh my God! Yes. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, we we have a number of very exciting projects coming down the pipe, and it could take up a lot of time. But right. in the short strokes, okay, there's a couple that I'm I'm very very excited about. Um, we have a great piece of land uh, in Brampton. Uh, which is um, at Mount the Mount Pleasant Go Station. It's right. going to be called Mount Pleasant Village, yeah. um, and it's going to be an eco-urban village. We're very much focused on sustainability and sustainable building, uh, solar panels and geo 
geothermal and thinking about building for the future with a zero carbon notion in the very much the front of our mind. So that project in Brampton, uh, Mount Pleasant Village, MPV, as we call it, that one's going to be coming out next year. We're very excited about that one. Another one that we're extremely excited about is in partnership with a, with a great gentleman named Dr. Shi who runs a company called MC Developments. And between MC and ourselves, we have a piece of land in North Oakville, um, which we're going to be launching a project called Oakville Yards. Uh, we haven't built in Oakville for a number of years, um, but it's going to be a three-tower, 15-story, 15-story, 18-story tower complex. Um, but we're doing all of the good community building that's going to make it unique for the Oakville market. We're thinking about urban agriculture. We're thinking about gardening plots. We're thinking about outdoor spaces in a very creative and unique way that I think is going to really be different than what people have experienced out in Oakville uh, previously. Very excited about that. A little further down the pipe, uh, we have an incredible piece of land in downtown Toronto, which is going to start to be rolling out. Uh, it's at 95 St. Joseph Street. It's going to be a condo that's also going to have a seniors component that's going to be part of it as well, which is very exciting. It's in the early stages right now, a number of years off, but it's going to be one of those, again, multi-generational, uh, multi-use. Let's be creative with the space that we have and do something very unique. So. So that one's amazing and, and excited about that one. And then the next, maybe I'll, I'll you know, I could keep going, but the last That's one what I, I thought. say, I'm sorry, <laughs> okay. is, uh, is, is one in, uh, in Golden Mile. Um, we're working with a great, a great partner with uh, Choice Properties and, nice. and we're going to be working towards the first phase of the Golden Mile redevelopment. So yeah. taking tons of the learnings that we've done uh, in, in Regent Park, in that community building, and taking it to another neighborhood that I think is going to have many similar features and functions that we can lean on from what we've experienced in the past. Take the show on the road um, and really think about community building at a real grassroots level. And that's already starting. The work is starting there with learning what does that neighborhood and what does that community need. So Golden Mile is, is one that's going to be uh, coming down the pipe in a few years for sure. We, we probably could have kept going. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I could. But again, All right. right. Let's we'll keep it at that the high All level for now. There's, perfect. There's lots of other exciting things. But those ones that get me really pumped up right, right now. Well, first off, and we don't know each other. It's the first time we've met. Uh, I love your authenticity and I love your passion for the business. And my last question is is going to be something that people who view this um, are going to be interested in knowing. And the question is, what would you say to someone who was interested in getting into the real estate development field? Because they look at you and, and I think you're a great example of that field. Yeah, I would say it's, it's an incredibly exciting business. It is... Uh, there's multifaceted, you can do so many different things within the real estate field, within the real estate development. Um, if you have a certain skill set um, that you want to specialize, you can specialize. If you want to be a generalist because you have multiple talents and you're good at sales, but you're also good at marketing, but you're also pretty good at numbers, there's, there's places for you. There's spaces for you. You can find a career in real estate development because of how diverse it is. And I think maybe most importantly, you can be creative as well. I think development is uh, something that may, maybe many people think is just very box focused. It's, you put it in a box and this is how you produce a building or how you, yes, that is a part of it, but there is creativity that you can put into it in many different ways. You can make positive change in the world through real estate development. 
You can change people's lives. You can change the environment. You can make a real positive impact in the things that you're doing on a day-to-day basis. And I think that's quite rewarding. So I'm encouraging. I, I tell anybody who's thinking about it or wants to think about real estate as a as a career path that uh, don't just limit yourself to thinking it's just building or just construction or just contracts and estimating. There's so many different facets to it that make it very unique. Well, I think that's a great answer and, and it might avoid a few phone calls when people would call you. <laughs> But maybe not. We'll see. Maybe not. A real pleasure to have you. I'd love to have you back again. I mean, there'll always be good projects. So maybe we could do that down the road. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for the time. I, I Obviously, I know how busy you are now that we've talked more. And uh, wish you all the best with all the projects. Thank you so much, Jake. Appreciate your time. Thank you. For, thank you for having me, Howard. Really appreciate it. Okay. Take care. Bye. We'd like to thank Jacob Cohen and you for joining us today. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please like, comment, and subscribe on your favorite podcast network or on our YouTube channel. And to get in touch with us, you can either reach us by email at info at rewithhd.com or on our website, rewithhd.com. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.